Hey, Craig. I'm tired and forgot to make a song. And I'm sitting here in a Las Vegas hotel and yay, the Cougs won. Woohoo! That's my song this week. <laughs> Very nice. Vegas! Vegas! Yeah. Just wild, wild time, let me tell you. Every time I hear, you know, Vegas, like I think back to the 86 times we watched Swingers when I was in college. <laughs> and like, and like, you know, when you're in college, you're like, oh, Swingers is the best. What a great, and of course, like that, like that was when it came out. So it was like, you know, it comes out and, and then, you know, every group of friends is like, yeah, like you are so-and-so and you're like, ev- like every personality in their little group in the movie Swingers is like, everybody's got a friend like that. Right. So like, like, uh, you know, Sue in the movie, you've seen Swingers, right? Uh, yeah, I don't know, man. That, that <laughs> was probably, I was probably, how much older like are you 10. than me? I was probably <laughs> seven 12. years too, seven years too old for me. Uh, but you didn't see res- it when you, you didn't see it when that you grew movie up. did not resonate with my generation. My, the seven years later, no one my age watched that movie. Oh man. You missed I didn't out, know what man. Movie. I know what the movie is. You missed it. No that. one was like, this guy's a swinger guy. Nope. Not even the once. Well, yeah. Vince Vaughn. John Favreau. I, I, I know who's John in the John Favreau movie. before he got fat and was in all the Marvel movies. Yeah, I know. I know what the movie is. Yeah. I've probably seen it. I've definitely seen a million clips of it. Anyway, one of the friends name is Sue, like a boy named Sue. Right. And he likes to fight everybody because he's named Sue. And it's like, you know, my buddy Joe like that, like Joe was Sue because Joe wants to fight everybody. So that's all I'm saying. Like when you got a group of guy friends, like anyway, Swingers takes place in Vegas. And, you know, there you go. So I'm in Vegas. You're in Vegas with your your wife and your kid for a work conference. (laughs) That's definitely not Swingers. I'm I'm just I'm wilding out. I'm wilding <laughs> out. We uh we we had a, we took a 6 a.m. flight. But anyways, this is podcast versus everyone. I'm Craig Powers live from the Cosmopolitan Hotel in Las Vegas, Nevada. Uh, Jeff is with me is Jeff Newser, who may be at a hotel. You never know. I'm definitely not at a hotel. Nor am I in Vegas. Well, well, I, I have you on the interesting location then. I wanted to record from the chandelier bar in the Cosmo because it's probably one of the most ridiculous things and the most Vegas things because it's just like a five-story bar that's in the shape of a chandelier. And it's one of the most absurd Vegas things, and I thought it would be very fitting, but it's very loud in there. Like, it's blaring music. And so... I, I decided not to uh, not to and like so not to make our listeners listen to that. I'm on 90 minutes sleep. Uh, <laughs> my daughter didn't want to let me sleep last night. We had a 6 a.m. flight, so uh, and then we just I've walked 10 miles today, 10.29 miles. Good my lord. Walk. Yeah, so um, it's been a day, but I'm ready to talk about some football and some beer and some whatever else. Yeah. So Jeff, what are you thinking? I let's see. I am having the coffee vanilla deluxe from a Swedish brewery 
that I don't know how to I don't know how to uh, pronounce, but it's D U G G E S. I don't know if it's Dugs or Dugas or Dugay or yeah. I'm honestly not sure. Where'd so it says. Uh, so I got it at Rainier Growlers. So my my local beer a store. A bottle or a growler. Or a bottle. A bottle. Um, it says uh, we brewed a layered dream, a sweetly soft, robust, and elegant flavored beer with plush vanilla and uh, Mateo roasted Colombian tabi coffee. Then we let it mature in lovely whiskey barrels. Whiskey with a Y, not with an E Y. Uh, Avic Deluxe. So there we go. Uh, Deluxe Brewery or Duggars Duggas Brewery in Landvetter, Sweden. It's a wow. robust 15% alcohol by volume. Oh. Uh, it's I'm I'm sort of it's okay so far. Like well, like I'm hoping some yeah. of it some I'm hoping I pick Maybe up on some warms. of the yes as it warms up a little bit. It's mostly um, it smells like booze. And the coffee is pretty overpowering right now. So I'm kind of hoping that as as it warms up maybe a little bit, uh, some of that vanilla starts to come through. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's okay. It's all right. I'll let That's you know if I, if I change my opinion as we go. Yeah, I actually, I can't remember. Uh, one of the beer places here in Vegas, I saw that beer and I was like, what the hell is that beer? And truthfully, I would never anymore at this point buy a stout that big that was not aged in a barrel yeah because it, it the a barrel will round off some of those harsh edges you're talking about yep yeah, yeah. it's i mean it's it's aged somewhat but yeah i don't i don't know if it was maybe you know not age that long or what but it was and i don't know like you know much more about that it was process in a bourbon barrel or something a whiskey whiskey with a y not with an ey oh so it was aged in barrels so, my so it was aged in a barrel yeah but oh. like i said it's it's very it's very well, then, boozy on the nose and a little the coffee's a little harsh at the top but yeah like i said it I, i'm hoping some of that vanilla comes through a little bit more when uh when uh as it warms up a little bit so nice yeah not bad so um i am drinking a beer throwing back to my nashville days because uh, there is a uh a probably the, one of the most famous hot chicken restaurants in nashville is hattie b's and they actually in in uh, the cosmopolitan they have a little area that has these kind of foodie food trucky type restaurants and they have a hattie b there's a it's the only location that's outside of nashville i'm pretty sure and they have a hattie b's they may they might have one in austin or something i don't know but they have a hattie b's there and and i remember when i went to hattie b's in nashville they had nashville beer and stuff and sure enough i uh come here we, we actually i actually went there for lunch today um and had some hot chicken i can get the they have uh, uh let's see one two three four five six levels um i got the hot which is like the fourth level uh-huh. but you can go two levels up higher than that i think that there's like the hottest level is like a ghost pepper uh sauce or something um so i hot and man like it's one of those burns where you're like the first few bites you're like oh this ain't that bad and then yeah. like you're five minutes in and you're like all right this is kicking my butt now 
And so, because uh, I was already like, when I took a bite, I'm like, oh, I should have got the very hot. And then I was like, and then five minutes later, I was like, nope. Because <laughs> nope. I've had Hattie before, and I know the very, and I've had the very hot. And it's, it's like a smoldering hot. fire, just yeah. sort of sitting on your tongue like hot coals for a minute. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm not like, I, I, I don't shy away from heat, but I am, but I'm not like one of those extreme folks. But yeah, it's very tasty, though. It's excellent. I was really Sounds excited. Sounds good. But. Also, I was excited to see, like, wonder if they'd, like, get some weird beers there, like, just, you know, because it's Nashville. And sure enough, they do. And uh, uh, one of them was from Bearded Iris, which I was going to do uh, that beer. Um, but uh, I've already done a Bearded Iris beer from when I went to Nashville in the in February and brought some back. So I don't like to repeat the breweries. Um, but what I, the other beer, so I actually have that as my sidecar beer, Bearded Iris Homestyle which is only distributed like in Tennessee. Um, and, and then also they have it on tap here in Nash in Las Vegas. And then the same goes for this beer from a Jackalope brewing company in Nashville. And it's called, shit, I looked it up. It's like a red ale and uh, it's called Rompo Red Rye. It is a twist on an Irish red using classic earthy UK hops and caramel marts with malts with dark fruity notes we gave it our own tennessee take by adding flaked rye to the mash which contributes to the spicy and clean finish mm. um and rompo's some skeletal creature whatever um of south african nature um but a uh, uh so yeah this is definitely one of the not my go-to style but i i was like oh so this jackalope brewing was interesting they started right right about when i was like a little bit maybe like six months to a little bit of a year before I left Nashville, like about six months before I left Nashville. Um, and they're, they're sort of two women, which is unique in itself. And I remember I, uh, I volunteered at a, the East Nashville beer fest, um, to like pour beer and they had a bunch of breweries there from out of town and stuff. So people who got put with the breweries out of town, they would just pour the beer for that brewery. The, the, the brewery representatives were not there. You see this at beer festivals all the time. Um, but I got paired with uh, a brewery that was in Tennessee called Calf Killer. And so they had all their people there. I was just sitting there. They were making me, uh, like, so when they would pour the beer, they had, like, a spillover cup. Like, they would catch the beer, like, you know, when you overpoured the foam or whatever, you know. And they would make me chug that every time it got full. <laughs> and, I, and they would just hand me beers all day. Like, I was not working. But next to me was uh, Jackalope Brewing, so I chatted with them. Uh, one, of the, one of the founders is actually from Vermont, and I was, and I was getting ready to move to Vermont for grad school. Um, so it was really interesting. So I got to chat with her about Vermont and all that, and uh, that was pretty interesting. So it's a pretty cool brewery. Um, this beer is okay. Like, I don't know. Like, I don't know how good this type of beer is. Like, I, I'm not a, I'm not like an Irish red connoisseur, um, but it's pretty tasty in, in that regard. Good. It's got, a little bit of, it's got a little bit of sweetness that you would expect from a red. Like, a, it's got, I don't know, it's, it's, it's very balanced, uh, like very, you know, ambery, ready, whatever. That type of beer that hardly anyone makes anymore. So nice. good on them for making one. Um, probably a, probably a beer you can make in a market like Nashville, where maybe the um, beer scene isn't quite as uh, 
uh, mature as you know where like people will, will still drink a local beer but they're not really wanting to drink some bigger beer so they're fine with like a red ale because you really don't see i mean manny's is not a red ale but it's kind of in the same you know realm of what this beer is so or african amber so it's like the same sort of it's like along lines of that it's a local beer that people kind of grew into grew up they they because now this beer has been around for eight years or something i still think of them as a new brewery because they were new in the of nashville but yeah so uh yeah cheers to uh jackalope cheers to bearded iris cheers to hattie bees in las vegas for some reason um but i, I wasn't complaining i had a very tasty lunch and uh now i'm ready to talk some cougs Good. By the way, we should let the people know we are recording on Skype this week, which yeah. will account for some of the audio weirdness and some of the and odd uh, delays in, in responding and things like that. We, we have taken a step back in technology this week uh, with Craig being in Vegas. So yeah, I, I didn't I uh, was stupid and didn't bring my real mic. I have a little lav mic that I always travel with and uh, it didn't. It wasn't working the way that I wanted it to, so we're stuck back here with Skype instead of our usual tried and true TriCast. So, um, so we apologize, uh, but it, the, our longtime listeners will may, might feel a little nostalgia. Yeah, it'll be like a throwback. Uh, yeah, exactly. Us talking over each other and the tracks kind of garbling together. It's it's great. Yeah, excellent, excellent. <laughs> All right. Well, hey. There was a football game on Friday. There was a football game on Friday. It feels pretty good football for, game on Friday. Feels forever ago already. It does, doesn't it? Like, okay, so yeah. it's Sunday night, and it's like, oh so my god, it was so long ago. Yeah, it was like so long ago. I, you know, and sometimes I think like, you know, the the AP poll came out today, and and I'm kind of looking, and you know, and sometimes I just kind of think like, I don't know, when you play on Friday night, I'm not, I'm not sure if some of the newness of the wind or the wind kind of. Uh, fades away when the guys, you know, and and the ladies tend to, you know, get, get ready to cast their votes. You know, it's like, ah, well, that was so long ago that WSU beat Houston. <laughs> well, the, the funny thing on the topic of that, I feel like Cal actually got into the top 25 this week. Well, because there was some madness, craziness, like of teams losing, but also I think it helped them. I think maybe some people voted before uh, they beat UW last week, and yeah. they. they they were like, oh, shit, didn't vote for them. And so they got those votes back this week, and that got them up to 23. So there yeah. are now six. I mean, well, we can talk about this, but we'll just briefly. There's now six ranked Pac-12 teams, which is, but in true Pac-12 fashion, the top one is number 10. So Right. Like, it's, oh, our league is so deep, Craig, because that matters. doesn't matter. Not in this era. Not in this uh, only four teams go to the playoff era. Yeah, and you got, uh, like, the ACC has Clemson and a giant pile of garbage. Right. Which, like, literally a giant. No, not literally. But it seems like literally a giant pile of garbage. The ACC is so terrible. Oh my the SEC is not good either, except for Alabama and Georgia and LSU and everybody else is trash and it's like whatever you know. They got Alabama, Georgia, LSU. We don't we don't have any. We don't. All, it's all that matters. It's all that matters. All those teams are ranked ahead of Utah. So college football um, playoff fetish and that's it. 
All right, but let's let's talk about them Cougs. Yeah, the the Cougs, not the Cougs. Yeah, but man, uh, you know that 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 first half was uh, atrocious. Was a trying a trying hour and a half. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was. It was. Uh, yeah, it was kind of like it kind of went the way that we hoped it wouldn't when we talked on Friday, right? Where we or Thursday when we were like. Um, you know, the one thing that scares us is if Houston can really control the game by running the ball. And that's exactly what happened in the first half. We got four possessions. They only had three possessions and scored. Yeah. And scored on two of the three and missed a field goal on the other one. So yeah, it was, it was a pretty brutal half of football. Yeah. And we only scored on one out of four. Yep. So you, you Almost scored on two out of four, but then, you know, bad Gordo. Bad Gordo. He's not perfect, apparently. Although, in the second second half, he was pretty damn close. He was pretty perfect in the second half. Yeah, it was funny, man. Okay, he he did almost throw one pick and then almost had a tip to another pick. And he also tripped over the turf. Yeah, um, he would have had him. He would have had himself a rushing touchdown. touchdown. That he would have had himself a rushing touchdown if he didn't trip over the turf. No, poor guy. He had, but, his, yeah. he had his shot at a rushing touchdown and he missed it. Yeah, but yeah. So the first half, uh, you know, they got that deep ball to Aesop, uh torched the dude. Uh, beautiful throw from Gordo. That was pretty much the only, the, the big highlight in the in the first half the otherwise the first half you know the defense just got uh mowed over they they were they were getting pushed pushed off the line they were they weren't getting much pressure on Derek king when he was throwing the ball they weren't getting hits on him yeah uh, they they just they weren't getting hits on anybody really you know no. like it was it was they were they were pretty much getting their butts kicked up and down the field um and it and it was it was it was tough to see, and it was you know kind of in the back of your mind, you were thinking this this could happen this this is the way this could go. We just you know when it was coupled with the offense, you know not scoring on every possession, like it was a little harder to take and it was a little scary. But um, obviously uh, Jeff, you know you know I was I was uh, frustrated at halftime. Um, you and I. Uh, uh, we're going back and forth at halftime um, about the offense, particularly. Yeah, uh, we were fighting, dude. We were. We were arguing. As, as close to as close to we can. <laughs> um, but uh, as close as you and I get. Yeah, but uh, but uh, yeah, so no, yeah, we were, and uh, um, I yeah, it was just uh, it just looked bad. like a couple of the possessions were just uh, you know they had a, a touchdown in possession. They drove to the, you know, basically the red zone another possession. Yeah. But the other two were just nasty looking, you know. Like yeah. Gordon took Gordon took a very well. They they ran the freaking big gulp, which I don't know why yeah. we're still doing that. I really wish we'd stop um, doing that. Which that essentially killed a drive. Um, and then they, uh, and then the other drive, the first drive of the game was uh, a kind of very slow prod like it was it was a ton of plays and not very many yards 
yeah. and and then they then they take a big take a loss and then suddenly they're punting like you know and it was just not it wasn't the explosion that we were yeah. that we well, had I mean, seen. First two drives, it was 16 plays. 16 plays that covered, I'm doing the math here real quick, 44 yards. Yeah. <laughs> and and it was almost 10 minutes of possession. So 16 plays, 44 yards, 10 minutes of possession. Like that was the yeah. uh, that that was some Luke Falk shit right there. Like that yeah. was uh painful to watch and and i think that was sort of the um you know the thing i was you know when we were talking talking before halftime like i I, okay so i'm watching it and i'm thinking okay so the first two honestly it just looked like he was processing very slowly yeah and it, it wasn't you know it just you know it just wasn't quite coming as fast and easy as it was the first couple games where, you know, I'm sure he had his choice of very open receivers. Right. And so, and not that, not that Houston is uh, any great defense. I mean, I, I think we sort of know at this point that they're not, but it's like, you know, their athletes are certainly better than what, uh, what he had seen in the first two games. Um, you know, they're well coached from, you know, I presume that the defensive coordinator is competent and, you know, put together a reasonably decent game plan over the first, uh, after the first couple games. And, um, you know, they, they, I think, you know, tried to confuse some things and, and he just looked like he was just not really seeing the field all that great. And then of course the third drive, five plays, 72 yards. And you're going, okay, you know, two minutes, that's more like it. And then, uh, well, and then they came out on the next drive and yeah, and they covered 37 yards in six plays and it's like, okay, you know, here we go. Nine, you know, we're looking at nine, 10 yards a pop over the last two drives. And then of course, you know, horrible decision to throw, uh, that fade from the 20, whatever the 21, yeah, he got baited. He got baited. Yeah. Into the- yeah. I mean, they were in, uh, they were in cover two man, and they just, you know, he like you shouldn't like that shouldn't even be a throw you think about throwing unless like somehow he gets in that little soft spot and you rope one in there. But it's not it's not a here. Let me let me float the ball to my guy kind of uh, kind of defense. And and so, yeah, that that ended about it's I, I think I said on Slack that like the worst camera angle is the one where you can see the bad thing coming. And yeah, it's like, all, let yeah. it go. And I was like, no, there's this safety. Here he comes. I mean, it feels like it's moving in slow motion, even though it's not. And, you know, I, the, I was just really hoping that, you know, Fisher might be able to sort of knock it away or something. And of course he didn't. So uh, yeah, Fisher yeah. is still, you know, he's, he hasn't built the uh, muscle mass yet. And he got kind of pushed out of the way pretty easy. Yeah. Not like, I know I there was some people in the I was watching that there was a watch party in Tacoma and like that's pass interference I'm like no he's just no <laughs> kind of weak like he's no a, that he's was a, definitely he's a freshman it's just you know it's like it's you know that's what it is it is he's just a, kind of a scrawny guy like that's that's yeah. what that is he's gonna um, get more beastly I mean he's he's reasonably physical but he's not he's not there yet where he's where he's you know, playing physical. He, he's not yeah. at that point yet. So he'll figure it out. But yeah, just a I bad mean, idea. And, you know, whatever. he torched the corner, but he, but he, uh, and that's part that's what got Gordon. So Gordon saw yeah. single, single coverage on the left with the, the, right. I, he saw Amanda. You know, I, haven't, I, haven't seen, I haven't seen all 11, but I'm sure, I'm sure the safety baited him by kind of, kind of, uh, kind of 
shading over to towards the right, and and sure enough, got him. Um, because they they were throwing that route. They they were seeing they were doing single coverage outside hot route quite a bit. Um, so at halftime, you were so so we were like sort of arguing because I was like, you know, it's, those last two drives were really good. Uh, you know, I I don't know about the defense, but but the the offense is sort of starting to figure it out, and you know, it's not the worst thing in the world. We're only down by a touchdown, and you were having none of it. So explain sort of your thought process at, as they were heading to halftime. Uh, well, I was angry because, uh, <laughs> as as you know, I, I had said earlier in the week in Slack, after after previewing, you know, while I was previewing Houston, writing up preview, I'm like, these guys aren't that good. Like, I'm gonna be really mad if we lose to them. Yeah. And basically, and we as, were losing. And then we were losing, and it was it was everything that you were afraid of was happening. Um, like Derek King was was using his legs to move the chains. Uh, he was breaking out of, you know, their long touch, their first touchdown drive, he, they would have had a three and out, but they had two guys were, had him sacked. And Jahad Woods yep. is one, we can talk about how Jahad, Jahad Woods' is first half versus his second half. Yep. A lot, which is pretty much exactly how the entire defense went. But, um, but uh, Jahad Woods is one of them, and they, they had him sacked. It would have been a three and out. And he spun out of it, and he ran for a first down, and and it was just like, oh my God, big bad wolf, here's here's the running quarterback, right? Turn us over again, right? And uh, so it was, uh, so there was that, you know, it was, but you know, some of the frustration it was, um, uh, last year we had a great offense, but it would just come out really shitty after halftime, and you and I have talked about. You know that quarter, that third quarter, that third quarter a lot. Yeah. So I was, I was angry and I was and I had anxiety because I'm thinking if we come out and play in the third quarter like we've been playing the last couple of years in the third quarter, we're gonna we're gonna get our butts beat. Like they're gonna they're, they're gonna score again. Like now, I I figured there would be an adjustment on the defense's part and there wouldn't be scores many points, but I was worried. And there was this worry that there's this there's this like insecurity that what Gordon did against New Mexico State and Northern Colorado was like what uh, like what Jeff Toole and Marshall Lubestall did right well Marshall Lubestall did to Idaho State and UNLV right so you're like ah shit maybe maybe it was that maybe that's what it was you know Um, of course it wasn't but 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 uh, but there's this you know in the back of your mind you're like maybe this offense isn't as big time as we thought it was. Um, so yeah, I was I was nervous. I was mad. I, I just uh, um, you know all that. You know, there's this thing, and there's this thing that's kind of funny. When you start out a season and you haven't lost yet, it's like you you just have this anxiety about getting that first loss. Sure. And the farther, and the farther you get into the season, yeah. And and it feels like and the, especially when the first three, it's like. Oh, we should be getting these, um, and and you and uh, even the first four, but whatever. Um, we can talk about that later in the week. But but uh, you you see, and then you see like markers. So like in 2017, it was like, can we just please get to USC undefeated? Right. You know. Uh, um, and this year it's can we just please get to Utah undefeated? Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. You know, force that to be like the game of the 
the week or whatever. And so there's that, you know, that like uh, like I lost my mind over the Boise State game, and which is pretty comparable to this game. Uh, Boise State's better sure. team was sure. team, but pretty comparable to this in terms of this is our one uh, one you know decent non-conference opponent, the one you know roadblock that we needed to get by to to get to that big game that's down the road. Um, and so that was Boise State was that in 2017. We just need to get by them. The rest of the schedule was pretty soft. And then okay, I think uh, I think played Oregon State before USC. Um, but yeah, so they, uh, so we, we played. We, we just wanted to get to USC five and zero. And now to me, I just I just want to get to Utah undefeated. I want that to be a huge game nationally. Um, I think that'd be super fun. You know, game day, whatever. And it's a stupid reason, but. I I want the Cougs to get that attention, um, yeah. and that'll be the game that they would get that attention because the first four were even though you have a Friday night game, you know you're, you're the only game on. It uh, still doesn't matter. They weren't really the only. I guess they were mostly the only game on, um, only nationally televised game on. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah. So so yeah, it's a uh, it, it. You just get that anxiety. It's a lot of build. I got fucking sure. ranting now. Um, as an aside, like where I'm recording, there's this like really interesting uh photograph painting of like a of like um like a showgirl and like every person that's walking by stops by and looks at it like <laughs> I, I chose the worst spot in this entirely empty room to record Everyone's but i'm, I'm think that you sat there so you could stare at the picture of the showgirl and she is not ugly but <laughs> but i'm facing away from it so oh okay all right. Like the picture I see is some robot, but yeah. whatever. Um, but yeah, anyways, back to that. So yeah, there's a yeah. lot of anxiety built in. Yeah. I, I, I had had a few beers. Yeah. And one, you know, one thing I threw out there and, and I'm, I stand by it by the way, cause you were just sort of like, nah, that's bullshit. It feels like you're making that up. That's bullshit. And I'm like, no, I stand by it. So it's not unusual for first quarters to not be great for our quarterbacks. Yeah. Um, you know, and so, 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 so here's, okay, so, well, let, let me, let me yeah, yeah, let okay. me sort of like explain, you know, I was talking about. So, so last year, if we look at it passing by quarter, uh, first quarter touchdowns, to interceptions, nine touchdowns, four interceptions, passer rating of 141. Okay. Second quarter, 14 touchdowns, three interceptions, passer rating of 146. So like, you know, five more touchdowns and one uh, fewer interception. Third quarter, of course, being what it is. And then fourth quarter was the best quarter, 14 touchdowns, one interception, passer rating of 173. Okay. Year before that. So this is, you know, of course, Luke Falk territory. Uh, first quarter was by far the worst quarter for, uh, efficiency. Second quarter was the best. So first quarter, seven touchdowns, three interceptions, rating of 121, uh, second quarter, 12 touchdowns, three interceptions, rating of 155. And then the year before that in 2016, uh, eight touchdowns, four interceptions in the first quarter, which again was there was the quarter that had the fewest touchdowns and second most interceptions. So I, I just feel like there's this thing like where, you know, I know Leach doesn't have a script per se, but like any offensive coordinator, he's got an idea of some things that might work. And, you know, a lot of the, like, you know, when NFL teams, you know, have a script or whatever, it, it's not all just to, 
um, you know, it's, it's not all just to get off to a quick start or, or, or plays that they think are going to like really work. Sometimes it's just to kind of figure out what the other team's going to do. They're, they're going to run this play, run these routes. How are they going to defend it? We're going to put, you know, put out this formation with the, this personnel, how are they going to try and defend it? You know, and then that informs what they can do later. And, and I think, you know, I, I would assume Leach is the same where he's got some ideas of some things that he thinks might work, got some ideas of some things that, you know, he's going to test out and then file away for later. And then I feel like it's usually by that, you know, third drive or so that they start sort of realizing, okay, here's, here's the weak spot we can attack. And then sometimes they'll just find a spot and they'll just, you know, go at it again and again and again and again. And, you know, I feel like you, you saw that where, you know, the first two drives, you know, as, as we already mentioned, were, were painful and slow and, and difficult, you know, third drive, five play, 72 yards, second drive, six play, 37 yards. And if he had not, you know, made a totally boneheaded pass, I think we, um, are, are probably in agreement that they figure out a way to cover those last 21 yards. Right. And so if they do that, it's, you know, somewhere, you know, 48 yards in seven, eight plays, you know, something like that. And then you come out in the third quarter, it's six plays, 44 yards, touchdowns, next drive, four plays, 91 yards, touchdown. Right. And so it's just, and then I think the next drive was the one that should have been one place, 75 yards, touchdown, but it ended up being five plays, 32 yards on a punt. So, um, at any rate, it's, it's, you know, they figured some things out and, and I felt like, you know, just kind of looking at the last two drives, um, it, it was a bit encouraging. Like I was thinking, okay, you know, yeah, they've, they've figured some things out here. They've, you know, under, now they've realized, you know, they could sort of pepper the middle with Arcanado, um, and then maybe take a shot over the top when the opportunity presents itself. And then the defense, like, I, I, I don't know, like I just, <sighs> it didn't feel dire. Like, I don't know why, you know, the fact that they really should have scored on, on all three drives. Um, and in fact, the last drive was probably the worst one, right? They went seven plays, 75 yards. I'm, I'm looking at all these drive charts. Um, but the first two drives, they, it took them 26 plays to, to cover the ground that they covered. And, you know, the first drive, obviously they, they were, it was aided by some penalties against them, but, I just didn't, it didn't feel like we were getting destroyed. It just felt like we were a little out of position again, you know, missing tackles again because of that. And it just felt like, God, if we could just fix it up a little bit, um, you know, we should be able to do some things. And, you know, of course, lo and behold, in the second half, that took hold a little bit. So I don't know. I wasn't quite as discouraged. I mean, I was, I was irritated for sure, but I was just sort of like, okay, so they're controlling the clock and, and that really sucks. But like, I, you know, you're only down by a touchdown and, you know, are they going to be able to, you know, maintain that kind of strategy the whole way they weren't throwing the ball all that effectively felt like they were going to have to throw it at some point, you know? And once again, we, you know, came back and scored a couple touchdowns and took the lead. Um, felt like that really flipped things around a little bit and, and all of a sudden Houston started feeling the pressure. So yeah, I, you know, I, I don't know if, if I was, I wouldn't call my, have called myself optimistic, but I definitely was, uh, feeling like, okay, this is, this is not a train wreck. This is not like, you know, we're totally screwed. This is not, you know, like, well, you referenced the Boise state game, right? I mean, that was a game where we were in a big hole and it had to, you know, we needed a big effort to drag out of that hole. Um, this one didn't feel like that to me. And, and, and I'm glad, uh, I'm glad it turned out a little differently in the, in the third quarter. Well, yeah. Um, uh, just to, you know, uh, kind of wrap up a couple of your points. So 
Yeah, one of the things, like, uh, I, uh, when we were arguing or whatever, uh, like, uh, when you were talking about the, the third quarter, for you know, first, second quarter is best, and fourth quarter was re- is really good, um, kind of one, my pain point, and I, and I think we were kind of not, we were talking about two different things. You were talking about how the first quarter is always bad. I was talking about how the third quarter is always bad. Um, so, so my, you know, my anxiety was like, no, we're going to come out and shoot the bed in the third quarter too. And then where are we going to be in the fourth quarter when yeah. maybe they're going to click, sure. you know, but, but it, you know, obviously we'll get into that in a sec, but, and then also on the defense, uh, you know, it's funny. Like I, I felt the best about the defense after the second drive when they scored the first touchdown because mm-hmm. they, they had to work for it. You know, yeah, like 15 they, plays, 82 yards. You just kind of yeah, like, it was, eh. Kind of felt yeah. like the the t- and the, there was a couple like lucky plays that you know that's why I was talking about the the missed sack and the, there was a couple right. other things right. like that it was like oh they just kind of like they barely got by to get that touchdown and uh, you kind of felt like the defense was turning a corner but then of course the next drive was and they're like well shit maybe not you know um, <laughs> but yeah uh, but yeah so, so let's let's get in a little deeper. In the second half, before we do that, I, th- I think we got to take a break. Yeah, let's do that. All right. So, uh, man, what a yeah. – I'm, I'm sorry if that was a, a really product. loud – Sorry it was a really loud ad. Uh, we yeah. have nothing to do with that. We're working but, on that. We're trying we're to working figure that on out. Get, we're working on getting that fixed. Um, uh, but, yeah, so the second half, man. Um, second half was good. I, I, but the funny thing, so here's the thing. I was I was at the West End Pub in Tacoma for the Pierce County watch party. Um, the first half was uh, I was in the family area with B and Amanda. Uh, B did not make it all the way to half. Uh, she was having none of any of it, and so Amanda took her home. Um, so the second half I went back to like where like the actual like the official 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 part of the watch party, the part they the room they like rent out. Like the Cougs fill up most of the bar, but there's the room in the back is the one they like rent out or whatever and they decorate and all that. Um, so I went back there and I was like, by the time I had went back, I was feeling like, yeah, like, I mean, it's, it's one touchdown. Like we, it's, I was thinking of Stanford the year before or, you know, Stanford last year. Um, you know, a lot of, a lot of games. And I had said, the funny thing is before you and I got into it and before I was starting to get super negative, I had said like, uh, while Houston was driving for their second touchdown, I think I had said that, like, uh, you can go back on Slack and check the receipts, but um, I I, uh, I think I said that I'll feel fine about this if we're within a touchdown or tied at halftime. And, like, I, I think I'll feel okay, as long as it's nothing worse than that. And sure enough, like, it was only 14-7 at halftime. As bad as everything felt, as, like, as much as I think the it just felt like Houston was in control. But the truth is, total yardage-wise, what it was like 50 yards, I think, Houston more. Um, probably on a per-play basis. They probably weren't beating us by all that much at that point. Just in the uh, first half, you mean? Yeah. Yeah, so in the first half, it was 6.8 yards per play for Houston to 6.4 for us. So it really wasn't it wasn't a, it wasn't the dominating performance that I think it kind of felt for a lot of people. Yeah. But then the second half, so what, what that really showed in the second half really only took minor course corrections to create a very dominant, probably 
27 minutes outside of like a garbage touchdown at the end for Houston. Like it was WSU straight up dominated the game from the start of the second half to the end of the, like the entire second half. Um, Aside from one drive from Houston, um, they started out, I, you, you just felt, man, I don't know if you felt it, I felt it and we're not, neither of us are momentum guys, but no, on that, that fourth down play, when they yeah. snap, like you're like the game is different now. Yeah, like I the mean, game is different now. You give us a short field when our offense yeah. is starting to click, and that's, you know, you're sort of asking for it at that point for sure. And it, and it really was different, like because WC scores, um, they come back and they score again. Yeah. And suddenly it's twenty. You know, uh, what's I? What was the uh, that that was so they got down to the one and Borgie punched it in. I think. Um, so Tay Martin had a couple of big plays on that. Um, was that the, uh, the one where Renard Bell made the, yeah, where the he ran up ahead and blocks, like, yeah. on one play. He's, that was you, such describe, a you describe it. Cause you, you, you gave him a shout out on Twitter. So you describe it. That, that, that play is worth describing. That was incredible. Yeah. I mean, it was, you know, it was just a little inside screen and, it was well blocked, and it started with Liam Ryan pancaking a dude, yep. and then uh, you know, and then and then Tay is streaking up the sidelines, and there's a couple of guys chasing down, and Renard Bell, you know, sprints you know onto the screen from off the screen, right, and uh, takes basically blocks two guys, like uh, gets in the way of one guy, and then blocks another, and you know, springs Tay for another. That I don't may know, have, seven or eight yards. So that may have been in the fourth quarter, but I don't know. It was an incredible play. Yeah, uh, and it was worth it's worth pointing out. Like he, I, he Tay is fast, and Bell ran right by him. Like it was crazy to watch. Um, I've watched it a couple times just watching Bell. It was the run he makes on that. Yeah, like we talked in fast. soccer about about runs, like when guys make incredible runs. That was like right. an incredible soccer run, like a lung buster. We called yeah. those lung busters. Yeah. yeah. Like I wouldn't be surprised if Bell came right out after yeah. that, but but, uh, but yeah. So, but anyway, so they get a touchdown from Borgie. They get that fucking beautiful drop in the bucket. Um, Patman burns the safety, burns the corner. Yeah. Uh, Gordon just flick of the wrist. Like that dude's release is so quick. Um, flick of the wrist, and it's 50 yards in the bucket. Touchdown. That was a beautiful play. Yeah. Uh, the type of, and truly, the type of throw from that distance that we haven't had since Connor Holiday, honestly. Yeah. yeah. Um, from just to be able to, with such ease, make that throw. Um, he definitely has all the arm talent you want. Yeah. Uh, but uh, and he showed it off. Uh, definitely showed it off. Um, uh, then of course, uh, kind of stall a little bit. Uh, but. We got to talk about that. 21-14, very first play of the fourth quarter. They hit what WSU has what looks like the, you know, the death punch. Yeah. At that point, because Houston was just not doing anything on offense. Um, We just looked like, WSU just looked like they were in control. And Borgie makes, like, the play of his career thus far. Like, it would, like, just... Well, again, another dime from Gordon, like absolute flick of the wrist. Like, how did you, I don't know if you've seen how Gordon throws that ball. Like he has a like he's he he's so good at just 
disguising that he's going to throw the ball, and then he just like flicks his wrist out, drops it right in Borgie in stride. Borgie shows off his speed. Which yeah, like, how about that? Holy crap! Like that was the part I was like, no way is he going to. We've never that seen. We, well, we you know, and we've talked about this a little before. WSU's running attack, uh, be, because teams are playing like playing back, playing for a pass, whatever. It's you. You rarely see our running backs getting getting like long distance run space where no one is impeding them. Right. Uh, but man, like Borgie's fast. I I don't think I ever realized. I knew he was like a quick. He was. Quick. Yeah, that was pretty good. He gets started quickly, but that was torture. But of course. Yeah. Offensive pass interference where two guys run into each other, totally away from the play, and whatever, man. A call that. Is that never? That <laughs> was such bullshit. <laughs> well, you know, you, know, you know how bad it is when our our Jesse, who is our uh, he 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 can like Jesse on Kook Center, like he'll give the refs the benefit of the doubt every single time. Like he he'll 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 um, give them the most fair and uh, fair uh, approach. Um, but uh, even he was like. Because basically the the flag was thrown as Borgie's running into the end zone. Right. So the ref sees what he what was what was eventually called the offensive pass interference. Turns and watches Borgie run down the field. You can see it in the replay. He turns and watches Borgie run down the field. And then turns back and decides, no, I can't let that happen. I got to throw a flag on. Yeah, me. I mean, it was just a ray. I mean, really, it was a regular old mesh, and yeah, you know, happened. he just happened to, you know, run into a guy. And I mean, I don't know, like he, uh, I guess, like he braced himself a little bit as he was running into. The, I mean, I don't know what else you're supposed to do if somebody runs right into you, right? You know, it's like, yeah. are you are you supposed well, he does to just a little? Um, he does a little kind of. You know when you're, you know when you're kind of walking one way and someone else is walking the other way and you 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 kind of almost run into each other. You do that kind of, you kind of go one, you kind of juke back and forth. Both of you are juking back right. and forth. And Arcanado kind of does that. Yeah. And so it's, to me, I like it didn't look like he was like, oh yeah, hell yeah, I'm gonna lay this guy out. Um, like if and if the and if Gordon would have thrown to a Fisher. But the funny thing is, Fisher was well clear of anyone. Like, yeah. Fisher was wide open on that play, too. He yeah. was well clear of anyone, even before Gordon. The safety, I don't know, safety died, like, was right in, like, ran right directly in front of. Yeah. Uh, like, it, it doesn't, it, it like, you if, if you want to call that pass interference by letter of the law, it probably could be, is, but, but you can call that. How many teams run mesh now? I mean, or, or run plays similar to that, where you have two receivers crossing. You know, a pick play is what we call it now. Um, but uh, it, but it, it's just, it was ridiculous. And it it, it makes me so mad because that play was so good. And oh, yeah. And then you, stricken you know. Stricken from the record. Stricken from the record. And, you, you know, you take away. So, you know, not that this kind of stuff really actually matters, but. <laughs> You know, you take away a 76-yard pass on one pass attempt for, you know, for the offense. Replace it with, uh, you know, a 13-yard completion, an 8-yard completion, and then two incomplete passes and a punt. 
right? And so, you know, the stats look worse. The the death, the score you know, looks- yeah, the score looks worse. I mean, you know, at that point, you know, they could have gone up, uh, you know, whatever it would have been. Uh, 28-14. Yeah, 28-14, you know, been up by two full touchdowns at that point. Anyway, just frustrating, super frustrating and, you know, whatever and – you know, and Houston, of course, comes down the next drive and gets a field goal for it to be 21-17. And, you know, we we scored some more points after that. But, you know, just it sort of felt like at that point, you know, another touchdown and Houston was really screwed is, is really yep. what it felt like. And, and you know, we kind of missed that um, that shot at the – you know, at the, at the kill shot, but, you know, we did, we did go on to, you know, obviously extend the lead out pretty good couple touchdowns. I mean, at one point, um, you know, on the, on the TV broadcast, the, the announcer Fleming, Dave Fleming, Fleming, no, not Dave Fleming. It's not Dave. Dave Fleming was a pitcher for the Mariners. Fleming. Yes. What's his name? No, is it Dave Fleming? Uh, I don't, know, man. Fleming. I don't know. Anyway, Stanford guy. Who's, who's broadcasting the game. He goes, Oh, Houston's really going to play the what if game. And I'm like, are you what, <laughs> you know, like, wh- uh, what do you mean? Of, like, because, because of, of that fourth down fumble. Okay, great. But like, I mean, really- uh, and, and because of the, uh, the holding call on Derek King's law. I mean, whatever. Like, but, like, but, like, you want to yeah, be like, Oh, what if and you, you had a, you had a, a Houston fan come out, come out the, the podcast pod yeah. versus the Twitter account. Assuming like, well, it was one for one. And the uh, the 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 waved off Borgie touchdown and the waved off like no the the hold the hold like touchdown was the run. But that was exactly the like Marcus Strong like was right there to make yeah, the tackle or the he hold like sprung the run. Like yeah, that is like why hold, he had a touchdown. But like the but the Borgie it had nothing to do with it. Yeah. And also it was a kind of a if he called it it is never called to like hardly ever call like and yeah. so so it's like you were looking to call it or something you know yeah. maybe he had seen arcanado do the same play earlier yeah. and wanted to whatever yeah. we could beat that but, to death and we could have but, it, but anyway so yeah so yeah there was yeah the what if game like yeah. like and, and like wsu didn't have what well, ifs and at the moment at the, the moment end, he so. said that at the moment he said that the score was in the second half second half alone the score was 24 to 3 we had outgained them 296 to 131 and on a per play average, it was 8.7 to 4.5. So our per play average had gone up two plus yards. Theirs had gone down two plus yards. And it was like, no, like we were just flat kicking their asses up and down the field in the second half. Like that was it. They passed for 23 yards in the entire second half, Craig. <laughs> you <used to> passed <laughs> for 23 damn yards. And the, I mean, it just, there, there was a point there where it was obvious that Houston realized, okay, like we, like we're only going to go as far as Derek King can take us and, and not just like throwing the ball, but running the ball. And it was just like, we're just going to like ride him until this game is over. Cause this is really the only real shot we have. And, um, you know, and so it was really great to watch the defense, um, adjust and, and, you know, I think the the tackling was was a thing like, again, uh, I, I don't think it was all that different than the offense where the speed was different. The athletes were different. You know, I mean, and I know they've had they had their issues with tackling the first couple of weeks, but, you know, just kind of getting used to, you know, King and the other guys and Marquez Stevenson, who we, you know, said on the on the, the preview podcast was was a was a good player and, you know, would present yeah, problems. Yeah. 
Yeah, if he got the ball in his hand. So, you know, I mean, I mean, really no shock that they were able to do some of that in the first half. And, you know, the second half, they were in a little better position. They had a little better idea of what uh, what Houston was trying to accomplish. And, you know, it's amazing how when you get yourself in a little better position, then you're better at tackling. <laughs> you know, it's like uh, and that's kind of how it went. And so, you know, just like the second half was so encouraging to me. Like I, I it, it was interesting to me to see a lot of the comments on the website, you know, just sort of talking about how, you know, Gordo is, you know, super erratic and we got to figure this out before the next game. And I'm like, what? <laughs> you know, I'm like, so, yeah. So, so let's just say, I'm like, wait Gordon a second. Was, like he was Gordon like, he had two bad drives and he yeah, shredded he was, them the rest of the game. Like he was, what you want. He was 36 of 48 for 440 yards and three touchdowns. And Minus a 76-yard so pass that he should have had. Yeah, so, yeah, let's – we've talked about it. People Like, he should will, have been over 500 yards. People will – and and I – people – and people do this all the time. We all do it. It's just natu- nature, so. Yeah, it's true. If you, do, if, if you, listener, do it, it's fine. We get it. But, like, you, 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 you build a narrative early, and it's really hard to come off of that. Even, even, in, even in evidence – you know, against it. Like, it's just like, no, this game was, it was bad. And then like, but then you look at what Gordon ended up doing. And it's like, he, he just like, we're, what, how spoiled are we at this point where we can look and see a guy's 36 of 48 for 440 and three touchdowns and go, Oh, eh, he's got work to do. He missed 12 passes. <laughs> <sighs> but that red zone interception was a real killer. It was like people were talking about like, oh, he was what, what was the oh hero ball hero ball came up and I'm like, wait, what? You know, like I didn't see any hero ball. Like I was just like, you know, what I think of hero ball, I think of a guy forcing it, like really legit, you know, forcing it, like trying to get back every point in one pass. Like it was the opposite of that. Yeah, it like, was the opposite. Was, of that. He was being tentative in the first half. Yeah, and he, I mean, I guess if you wanna like think about the. The red zone interception. I mean, I guess it wasn't technically red zone, but you know what I mean. The Look, interception the gets half fooled. Yeah, like I mean, fooled. and he's a young quarterback in terms of experience. Like I'm like, I, here's the thing. Like like this is something I'm gonna. I haven't finished writing my uh, you know, my Monday column, but but one of the things I'm gonna talk about is how similar this game was to the Wyoming game last year. You know, just very similar, right? We trailed Wyoming at the half, and then blew their doors off in the second half. And I, I mean, I don't know if people remember what Gardner Minshew looked like in the first half of that game, but it wasn't good. You know, I mean, it was just like it, it was slow and it was kind of dink and dunk and it was like, OK, it was all right, you know, but it was, you know, we were losing that game at halftime and, you know, and they figured some things out. And actually, and it, were, the second it was half. close. It was close. Well, into the like into the fourth quarter, yeah. it was. Yeah. I mean, the mar- the final margin was sort of like, I think we tacked on, I mean, we I wouldn't call it garbage time, but we tacked on a touchdown at the end, Yeah, you know? So it's, you know, these games are, and, and, and I think the other thing is that, look, this schedule is great. Like I, I think WSU absolutely 100% schedules exactly as they should. Um, you know, and I know people will point to last year and be like, oh, if we'd only scheduled tougher then maybe we would have been in the CFP and we wouldn't have been, 
We wouldn't have been. And I also don't think we should schedule as if we're going to be in that position. I really don't. Um, and, and people may say that that's a, you know, a defeatist attitude or whatever, but you know, I look at this team this year and I go, yeah, I'm so glad they played two shitty teams and then they played a team that was less shitty. And now they're about to play a team that might be as good as Houston might not be, or might be a little better. I mean, I guess we don't really know, but it's like, you know, I mean, I listen, like playing those four games before you go to, before you go to Utah to me is like, great. Like that's exactly what you should be doing as you're breaking in a team and you're trying to figure stuff out and you're trying to figure out who can do what, and your quarterback is brand new and hasn't ever seen, you know, actual real deal live snaps. I mean, yeah, you know, he goes and plays against Houston and those are pretty good athletes, Texas athletes down there and has a couple of like crappy drives as he's sort of figuring it out. And then he, then he figures it out. You know I mean? I, I, I think it's exactly how we need to do it. I'm very thankful that they do it this way. And I think it's great. And, you know, they're going to be, should be four and O before they go to Utah and maybe they won't beat Utah, but maybe they will. And maybe part of that will be because they, you know, played a schedule that got incrementally more difficult and really prepared them for, you know, the first, you know, truly difficult game. Yeah. And, uh, just to kind of, uh, Mild OCD, just to close some things I brought up earlier. Uh, Jahab Woods, first half, missing tackles. Very frustrating to watch. Second half, he was back to his usual self, laying the wood. Yeah, his second half was excellent. Like, yeah. Defense and got was, to a was, point in the second half where they were playing very fast, and that yeah. was really nice to see. Yeah, it, the defense, like, and obviously hats off again to Tracy Clay's uh what an what a hire he has been. Yeah. Uh, like I, uh, we talked about it last week, and and I know we talked about the WSU uh, football blog guys talked about it as well in the Kook Talk podcast. Is he just he's just so good at the first half? Oh, they're just killing us. Second half, well, we made these adjustments or whatever, and and I don't know if it's adjustments or the you know sometimes it's just the players adjusting to each other as well sorry that sure was but um but uh uh but yeah sometimes it's that too so maybe not give all clays all the credit but still um we we kind of uh we saw what houston was trying to do and we're like sure if that's what you want to do try to do it and 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 honestly they, they started hitting king in the second half a yep. lot i know yep. you mentioned this you mentioned the first half that we weren't yeah, King. weren't hitting him. They weren't hitting King, and so, but they were hitting him a lot. Like I, I rewatched the, I rewatched just the second half, um, so far because uh, I didn't have the Pac-12 and 60 yet, so I, I only I, I you know I had the full one where you got to do the fast forwarding yourself. Yeah. But I, I was just uh, I just want to watch the second half. I want all the happy times, um, and then but uh, so I, I I watched the second half, and yeah, they were hitting King a lot, like. There's only a couple sacks in there, but they were hitting him a lot. And uh, he was taking hits on, you know, obviously we had that. Oh, let's talk about that for a sec. How surprised were you? Was it uh, was it Rodgers? Was it Will Rodgers? I think so. The, the targeting review. Yeah. How about How that? How surprised were you that he did not get thrown uh, out? 100% surprised. I was like, you know, it would have been one thing if they had thrown the flag and then right. they reviewed it and they went, eh, 
and not that bad. You know, whatever. We'll we'll let him stay. Which, by the way, by the way, I'm, I'll say it wasn't that bad. It like wasn't he, that bad. Like it was like just it a was very kind of glancing. Just, it, was, it was very much a glancing. Yeah, kind of, glancing like, whoa, shot it, to the. I mean, if you face mask, it, which I, I think it's pretty impressive how how f- he was full speed ahead and he very clearly made an effort not right. to. Right. Which once again, as I said, just don't hit the quarterback ever. Right. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it was it was exactly the, what, what we talked about last week where we were like, at what point do you sort of teach these guys to, you know, maybe like sort of lasso them around the waist and kind of drag them down like a freestyle wrestling move, you know, where it's like, uh, you know, you kind of, you know, you do like kind of a sitting takedown or something. I, I mean, I just, I don't know. There's just no safe place to hit them. Uh, I mean, as we saw with um, uh, Stone, you know, where it's like he hit him. I mean, he hit him in the the chest, chest. but because he hit him with his helmet, it's like now it's it's targeting anyway. It's like it's just so bizarre. And, you know, you're just you know, you can't uh, there's really no. Yeah, it goes against natural body movement. Literally every time there's a hard hit on the quarterback you 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 sort of clench your clench your butt and think yeah. uh, you know where's the flag cuz it's probably coming on this one there was no flag and so i thought you know with a flag you know maybe they kind of go eh but without the flag like, and, oh they must be the i'm going if the booth is buzzing it i'm like there's no way this doesn't end up in ejection there's no way cuz if they thought they saw something and they want to take a closer look they're going to see what they thought they saw you know, and this was a big, this was a big yeah. play at this point. I think yeah. it was 14. No, it was a huge play. Yeah, it was a huge play. You know, or maybe you're, it was, you're talking was about first drive, first uh, drive of the second half. Uh, no, 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 it was their second drive. I'm gonna say. And I don't even think it would show up in the in the play by play because it wasn't. Uh, you know, there was no call to show up in the play by play. So I'm not even sure. Being, oh no, no. Also, a second part of this, if we're gonna make fun of, let's just make fun of factual refs for a second. Sure. Um, this exact same play was the king threw it and the receiver made a dive for it on the sideline never had control of it rolled over the ball was laying on the ground oh, it's yeah. where uh, the cheerleader got knocked over this yeah, was yeah. A bit, this play had a lot going on yeah yeah uh, the cheerleader got knocked over whatever and the ref uh, is signaling the ref has it's 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 a, just a hilarious visual you can see the ball laying on the ground Around. the the receiver knows like is walking away dejected knowing he did not catch the ball and the ref is signaling catch, emphatically catch. signaling emphatically catch. and then <laughs> and then his and then you see his like oh and but the funny thing is he never looks over at the ball laying on the ground <laughs> right he never <laughs> looks up to check and see if like, like he actually really think caught a receiver, the ball a receiver who makes a catch like that on the sideline We'll be like, yeah, I'm just going to leave the ball sitting over here. Not come up and be like, look, I have it. You know, um, so it was it's just a hilarious like just to and and the other the other refs coming in, the back judge coming in and be like, uh, no, no, no. And then he's you like, see the, the ball is on ref, the ground. Ref is like, you see him make the juggle like, oh, he juggled it. And it's like, well, not even really that. Like he just didn't even come down with the ball yeah. at all. Um, yeah, yeah. So that was pretty. 
that was pretty funny. Well, uh, I'm glad they got it right. Was, I mean, I'm glad they got it right. Yeah. You know, it, it, I, I've said before that my biggest complaint with refs is that they look for reasons to make calls instead of reasons not to make calls. Um, they look for reasons to get involved with the game instead of reasons to just let the players play. Um, and this was one of those where I was sure, like when they, again, when they buzzed down, I thought, oh, well, that's it. Like he's, they're going to see what they thought they saw and, and he's done. And so that's that. Um, the fact they didn't, is a credit to them, I guess. Like, like I'm glad, um, I'm glad that they didn't, and you know, whatever. But uh, it's, you know, I, I, I'm tired of referees inserting themselves into games where they don't need to be, and you just instead of letting players play. And and look, I mean, I'm not about like let the players play. In other words, you know, let everything go. But I'm also like. You know, let the players play a bit. Let them, you know, I mean, th- that offensive PI, that's not offensive PI. Like, I just, you know, just let it, let it go. You know, sometimes guys just run into each other. Sometimes uh, there's incidental contact helmet to helmet. You know, I mean, sometimes this stuff happens and just let it, let it happen. So, but second half, look, I, it's, my big takeaway from this game is going to be that, uh, you know, Gordo let him back from a halftime deficit. They figured some things out in the second half. They stood up tall. They showed the fortitude that we got so used to seeing last year. And I mean, it wasn't a dramatic fourth quarter comeback, but they were losing and they certainly could have pooped their pants and they didn't. And so I think that's all really, really, really good signs going forward. Yeah. Um, I, uh, yeah, I'm encouraged as well. Uh, I, I really want, wanted that, uh, I, I didn't want Gordon to get bit by that turf monster because it would have just made the score a little bit better. Uh, I, I, I just, uh, just getting that double digit win would have, would have been nice. Cause I think that was more reflective of how, how much we, uh, and, and that score would have been, that score would have been significant to some people. Some people. people. (laughs) Instead of seven points. That probably was a push in some places, but ten points and ten points would have covered. Ten points would have covered. So yeah, I I, I mentioned this in Slag earlier as well as like I we're gonna I think we're gonna lose our status as these like cover kings because Yeah, I think so. Vegas Vegas is is finally caught on. They they know we're good. So well, like, like, listen, for people who don't took, gamble or pay took, attention to that at all, 30, it took 37 yeah. wins in four years for yeah, them to finally like, drop. Like but. for the last like three or four years, if you, if you don't follow gambling at all, for the last like three or four years, like well, the they Cougars were 10, have, WSU was 10 and three in their last 13 against yeah, the spread. Against the spread. Right. Like it's I mean, just like criminally underrated versus, you know, via the spread for the last, you know, however many years. And it seems like, People have finally caught on. I mean, I think UCLA opened at 19 or something like that. Yeah, that's a which big is number. A big number for a conference game. Like that's I don't I don't know when the last time WSU was, it was a 19. 19. It was 19 ish at Oregon State last year. But I'm t- yeah okay yeah I I'd, I'd be interested to go back and look because I'm like that's. That's a big number. But for UCLA against so, UCLA. But, yeah, yeah, we'll talk about this later. But it's like yeah. it's uh, 
Yeah, I think it's a sign of where we're at and and the respect that we're getting. I mean, we talked about at the beginning of the year, you know, the fact that we were ranked at the beginning of the year despite, you know, replacing the quarterback. And not only just despite replacing the quarterback, but not knowing who the quarterback was actually going to be. I mean, I think most people were assuming it was going to be Gabrud and they were going to be fine. But it wasn't for sure. And people were like, yeah, we'll just, you know, we'll put him in the top 25 anyway. You know, let him, you know, put him in the top 25 because Leach, this is what he does. You know, and, um, you know, you just saw those same qualities in the team again on Friday. You know, this this mental fortitude, the ability to not panic, um, you know, it's obviously a lot of that is Gordon and, and that's great. But a lot of that is, you know, the rest of the roster. I mean, the defense never panicked. They, uh, you know, they figured their stuff out and got to a point where they were in better position and playing fast. You know, they were flying around and hitting dudes in the second half. And then, you know, again, the offense just sort of like, you know, figured out where the soft spots were. And, you know, Brandon Arcanado, who's a guy we haven't talked a ton about, but just, you know, I mean, throw he's leading the team in catches and, and yards after three games, which is like yeah. not what I would have expected. And then beyond that, he's not coming off the field. Like, at all. Cassidy Woods, who was a guy we were sort of drooling over, he's barely playing. I don't know if he played at all on Friday. If he did, it was really for a very brief time. In fact, about the only time Arcanado comes off the field to get a break is when they, I don't know what the name of the formation is, but, but they're 20 personnel, two running backs, uh, yeah. three wide receivers. You know, that's, that's when he comes off the field. That's when they get their inside receivers a break is when they run their two running back sets. And so, um, you know, awesome for him to, to do what he's doing. You know, again, I, I said, you know, he did not run many two running back sets. No, not that many. Yeah. So he, he was on the field a lot and to be on the field that much, uh, running as many routes as he's running, um, and at the speed that is required of him at all times, uh, super impressive, really great for him. And, you know, just kind of cool that they, you know, they have a guy in there who's, um, you know, frankly, you know, uh, really the most like river Craycraft since Craycraft. Um, yeah. you know, Jameer Calvin's great, but different kind of receiver. Uh, Kyle sweet was not river Craycraft. Like <clears throat> despite the, uh, uh, obvious comparisons that people loved to make about him. Um, you know, he was slower and not quite as physical and, and just, you know, just not as good of a receiver. Um, I'd say right now, Arcanado is, is about as close as we, he's a little smaller, I think than Craycraft is, not but quite as, not quite as athletic, you know, obviously not quite as athletic, but just, you know, like brings that similar kind of, uh, presence to the inside. He's, he's physical. He, he just has a feel for the soft spots. Um, yeah, you know, yeah, I and think it's tough. One, he hangs one, onto the ball when he gets popped. He's, he's gotten I mean, popped the, a few times this year and hung onto the ball. So. The big difference, I think, is that, you know, Craycraft scored a lot of touchdowns because yes. Craycraft's, Craycraft's athleticism made him a better red zone, close to the end zone target. And he was more of a threat to take, uh, you know, a 15-yard catch, 30 yards for a touchdown, yeah. you know. Yeah. And, yeah, and more of a threat to jump over, yep. you know, to catch. But uh, but Arcanado, yeah. Get, but similar style. Touchdowns. Arcanado's and got yeah, a similar style. style. Absolutely, man. And, and, uh, and he had some nice catch and runs. That yep. one when he jumped up with the two knees, <laughs> tried, tried, yeah. his, tried his tried his hat at a hurdling. Yeah. 
uh, didn't quite work out. Made he saw really Max do it and was cool. like, let me try that. And he looked like he was doing a flying, you know, Kung Fu kick or something. Yeah. That's pretty funny. Man. All right. Yeah. So, yeah. So, man, yeah, I think that I'm just so glad they went down and got that yeah. win. A win's a win is a win, man. It's, it's yeah. not like it was super ugly. Like you could look and go, there was progress. And at this point in the season to get a win and progress, like that's what you want. You know, I mean, they're going to get tough soon enough. I mean, once we get past UCLA, it's like a death march. You know, I mean, it's just like it's one right after the other. You know, we sort of uh, I think it was Scott Cresswell on Slack today, one of our other writers, you know, like the AP poll comes out and he's like, look at all these Pac-12 teams that are ranked. That's our road schedule the rest of the year. Yeah, that, you know? that is like, exactly it. Yeah. Every single. You know? yep. They're all ranked right now. So it, it's going to get tough. You know, enjoy the wins right now before it gets tougher. And, you know, hopefully these, uh, like I said, the the way we've scheduled has, you know, set some building blocks for, you know, getting there. And, and it's like, look, I mean, I don't know. Is, has any Pac-12 team looked like world beaters yet? I, I don't think so. You know, maybe Oregon, you know, I mean, obviously they kind of collapsed there in the fourth quarter against Auburn. But if you look at their other, you know, whatever, 11 quarters, they have been pretty spectacular. So maybe Oregon, but, you know, Utah is the highest ranked team and they've looked okay. You know, I mean, they haven't looked great. I mean, they they played, I mean, didn't they play an FCS team this weekend and won like 31 to nothing? Like it wasn't, yep. wasn't like. You know, they blew anybody's doors off. So, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, you know, I think I think we're getting there. We're doing the right thing and uh, heading on a crash course there with the Utes in, in Utah and Salt Lake City. And I, I love that matchup because we've sort of owned them recently. And I'm all about it if we can just get past UCLA. Yeah, you know, this is uh, another one. It's one of those seasons that could turn out to be real fun um, because, you know, we've we've kind of adjusted our expectations to the point where you know what we've you know three and oh is like yep yeah three and oh that's that's what we get and then we're kind of we're expecting four and oh obviously and we're looking at it oregon state five and and uh you know colorado six or whatever so your expectations are like yeah the rest you know we should yeah. get you know, you know, eight wins is like the expectation. And so now it's fun. It's like, maybe we could do better. You know, like yeah. when eight, when eight is where you're starting and like suddenly it becomes really fun thinking about like, there's, there's one game on the schedule where I'm like, nah, I'm not even going <laughs> to, right. which we you know, obviously, yeah, but like, we need to talk about but that like game. literally we, we can, we can, we can look ahead at the schedule and, and we're like, we we have the current number ten team in the country on the road in two weeks and like that it's not only do we not write that off we're like oh we can beat them yeah we can hell yeah we can beat them program. like this is where we're at this program and fucking rolls and we can go it's down fun. to Houston we can go down to Houston like just play like idiots for a half and then just uh, beat their beat the shit out of them in the second half and and it, it's fine. And so. we've all been around long enough to know that it's not always going to be this way. Like, not to be negative, yeah. but it's not It's not always going to be this way. And this is pretty pretty damn great. I celebrated it hard on uh, Friday night. <laughs> you know how I celebrated? I went to bed. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't. Uh, we, were, we were packing up, getting ready to go hiking yesterday. And I was like, yep, game over. Finished my recap. 
and uh, went to bed. So there we go. I was like, I was like, so uh, friend that was at the watch party, we were like, she and I were like, okay, uh, let's let's get fireball shots. And it was like we both both have to close our tabs. Let's each buy two fireball shots, <laughs> one for each other. So one for me, two, one for you. <laughs> two back to back, and then we uh, we had some more fun after that. And yeah, uh, I'm sure you did. That that started my weekend of little sleep, and because of the thing about when you have a kid is when you decide to stay up late, you no longer have this guarantee of like, well, I can still get you know. If I go to bed at two, I get up at eight, I get six hours sleep. No, right. It doesn't work like that anymore. Because if know? the kid wakes up, you're up. Yeah, the kid wakes up. Yeah, so B of course wake. You know, I went to bed at like two or two thirty or whatever. You know, it was late. Um, uh, but uh, oh no, I, one more time. I have to. I I uh, I have to tell the tell the story of Vegas, and then we can we can let these people off the hook. But so. Um, my my girlfriend was getting a little rowdy, Amanda. She was getting a little rowdy tonight in the in the in the suite. Uh, she uh, knocked over a bottle of vodka, Uh-oh. spilled all over the floor. Uh-oh. Not vodka, tequila, which she bought for some. I'm like, that's the the one mixer you wanted to have in the room is tequila, the one that everyone does universally known as such a great mixer that you just mix with so many things. Right. Yeah, but anyway. She said it was the cheapest, so I gave her that one. Um, but uh, so we have, so she knocks it over, it cracks, just leaks over. So her whole, our uh, our uh, hotel room now smells like tequila. So now, now it's like proper Vegas because we. Nice. But she basically, she wasn't drunk at all. She just like she's just kind of clumsy and, and knocked it over. Um, but uh, but 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 anyway, so now now we got a party room. You know, it smells like booze. Uh, you know, with the pack and play right in front, right when you come in, that's when you know. But it's not time just to... any booze. Like tequila is like tequila. its own. Spe- it's like its own special. Like there's people, there's certain people that just can't stand the smell because they had one bad experience with tequila. I'm one and, of those guys. I'm one of those yeah, guys. Everyone, yeah, it's. I'm. I wonder what the. I, I always think of the different, different uh, uh, heart alcohols. Like tequila has more of those kind of stories. Than, oh, for sure. Anything my, else. my fraternity had an affinity for prairie fires as a uh, oh, as a punishment drink on you know 21 runs and pub Which, crawl uh, whatever, so. people who don't know explain what a it's it's a shot of tequila with tabasco sauce in the bottom oh, oh, yeah and uh i i think it wouldn't be quite so bad actually now that i kind of like tabasco sauce but yeah. it's like you know when tequila's, you're shooting tequila's it. already gross on its own that's why it's mixed with yeah. everything because you've That's only right. had shitty tequila. Oh, please. Uh, I refuse to believe. Okay. I refuse to believe there's good tasting tequila, but I'll trust you on that one. Anyway. Yeah. But, it's uh, so, uh, it's yeah. distinct. It's just, it's a distinct uh, uh, smell. You and, brought up Prairie yeah. Fryer, so I have to share my Prairie Fryer story. Is... Uh, um, any any of my uh, any of our listeners, I'm sure there's some listeners that know who the Pullman bartender Alfredo is. Um, he's fairly famous for working at various bars and uh, over-serving people quite a bit. Um, but when I was my, the summer after my senior year, I stayed and worked 
and just partied pretty freaking hard um, with all the people I worked with at the uh, uh, call center, um, the research call center. Um, one of my uh, good friend's roommates, we were at the zoo, which you've been to, Jeff. Yep. Um, and they were, which is not existing currently, right? I think. Um, up for sale. Uh, but so we were get. I, I was big into prairie fire shots that summer, um, as one does. And so <laughs> I got prairie fire shots with my friend's roommate. So we take the shots. He immediately yaks all over, all over the bar, just vomit everywhere. Completely disgusting. That's a bad idea. Alfredo starts cleaning it up, doesn't kick him out, and just like gives him a glass of water. I'm like, he should. He puked on the bar. That should be automatic. <laughs> Sometimes automatic. They, they kick people out when their eyelids are like kind of. Right. They're like, you look a little sleepy. Yeah, Time for you to go home. But no, like straight up, like, and then he's like, he's like trying to serve him later. I'm like, come on, like, get the fuck out of here. Like, what's going on right now? Like, like you watched him vomit on the bar. You cleaned it up. You didn't even care. You just kept on going with your day. I'm like. Wow. So yeah, that was always you know you followed you followed him around for uh, the strongest drinks. Last I knew, he was at uh, Rancho Viejo, uh, which already has its most famous strong drink, the Mexican flag. Which, uh-huh. Um, with Bacardi also a, dis- also a disgusting drink. Oh, I mean, nothing with 151 is good. No. <laughs> no. But the 151 is on fire, on fire. Right? But it's nothing on fire. Can- Nothing you can light on fire tastes good. Like that's right on. there with the with the like I said that that was you know one of the drinks that you do when you're on your 21 run or your pub crawl or whatever you know you go there and we used to we used to go get the Shermerita too but you know rest in peace there Shermers rest in peace Shermer rest in peace a lot of the uh, a lot of the binging uh, the um, what was the bar in Moscow? No longer open. That did the uh, the ladder. Um, someone screaming at the <laughs> screaming. I know at somebody podcast right now. <laughs> yeah, somebody listening is like, I know that, that one, and I'm like, I don't remember because I never went there. But whatever. Yeah. But yeah, so yeah, they've eliminated the ladder. You can't do the ladder. Wileys, no longer, no more Pete's and Wileys, where you could get a, a drink with eight shots in it. Uh, just uh, you, that's pretty you much could, what the Shermerita you know, was. You you could only have two. You were only allowed to get two. <laughs> only two. Only sixteen shots for you, big only boy. Sixteen shots. <laughs> I can't remember what it was, but there was one that had eight shots. Most of them had like five or six. Yeah. There was one that had eight shots. So of yeah. course, a lot of college kids be like, "That's the one I want." That's the one I want. More bang for your buck. Uh, anyway, hey, any uh, right. any any Pac-12 games catch your eye? There was it was kind uh, of a eventful weekend. I uh, I got to sit on my ass and eventful. I sat sit on my ass and hungoverly watched a shit ton of football on Saturday. So I should have opinions on this. Did um, it did it surprise uh, you that Stanford went and just got walloped by UCF? Let's start there. No, actually. Really? Uh, like it Stanford surprised looked- me that they got walloped. Stanford looked like shit against USC, I think. And then, I okay, wallop the in the fashion that they got walloped. Yeah, I, I, I thought I mean, they would, Stanford like. I, okay, I, mean, I thought it would be more of a. Now, I thought it'd be more of a. 
I thought it'd be more of a 45 to 31. Yeah, I, I was of. thinking more something like 31, 27, like that kind of deal. Yeah. You know, yeah, that they but might. Yeah, they, could, they just got, they, they got I, run over. I mean, they, they gave was, up four touchdowns in the first quarter. Yeah. They were down 38 to 7 at half. It sucks for UCF that Stanford is probably not good. Right. And win is not going to look good for them. <laughs> like, you know, they, they just got to be like banging their head against the wall going, man, the we were like, one, we were one week away from getting a win over ranked Stanford. Like if Stanford had just figured out how to beat USC, which of course goes on to lose to freaking BYU. So yeah, we week. can talk. Okay. So let's, let's sort of, so B, so USC, the new anointed USC. Oh, they're right. back. Oh, they're back. They're in the college football playoff race. They're again. back. Carrying no. the torch for the Pac-12. They go, they go and uh, and lose in Provo. In overtime. In overtime. Run the ball for what, 47 times. Probably so, a little less. There's probably on. some sacks in see. there. There's probably some sacks in there. I don't. But f- air raid? What? They're not even like. And, and they're not running like. Yeah. They're not they running ran like, the ball. 45 times Slovis had four carries. So if we assume those are all sacks then, or, or scrambles, then it's 40, 41, it's 41 runs, 38 passes. Yeah. 171 yards on 41 carries. That's not, and that's, and you know, I, that's, I don't, I don't, I don't think Graham Harrell is making this, like changing up the air raid that much, but uh. no, I mean, it's, it's kind of what I, I can't remember if I said this on the podcast or not, but when we talked about Harold, when Harold got hired and, and I know we talked about it on Slack, I was just like, you know, I'm, I'm really curious to see like if he's going to really be allowed to cut it loose. If USC coaches, fans, whatever are really going to abide you know, throwing the ball 50 times a game. Like if that's something that is in, that's just not something that's in USC's DNA. And and I'm actually a really, I'm a firm believer in sort of program identity and like your program sort of is what it is. And so for example, you know, for Wazoo to be a full air raid team with Mike Leach, I'm like, that's perfectly Wazoo, right? Like, like this is like, we have a history going back like, like 40 years of longer than 40 years, 45 years ish of just these wide open offenses, throwing the ball, you know, just like, you know, we're going to try and score and we're doing whatever. Well, like USC has got a, you know, a 50 year history of just mauling people. Right. So now you bring in, you know, Graham Harrell, who is this air raid disciple and put together this, you know, really nice air raid ish offense, you know, down at North Texas. And that's great. And it's like, well, you know, are they really going to let him do what he does? And, you know, when I see something like 41 rushes, I think, no, they're, they're not actually, <laughs> they're not actually going to let him do what he does. Cause Slovis was pretty good. Like he wasn't, I mean, he threw some interceptions and that was bad, but you know, I mean, overall the rest of the numbers, I mean, eight point the last interception was pretty crazy. But. Yeah. But 8.3 yards per attempt. I mean, you go, right. You know, I mean, you're you're doing some things through the air, and when you're you're running the ball at four yards a pop, which is what they were doing, it's like, I don't know, man. Anyway, stop running the ball. Yeah, yeah. stop running the ball and throw the damn thing. But yeah. Whatever. So USC uh, knocked off their perch. Stanford. Ugh. Uh, yeah. Arizona. What the fuck? Arizona. 
How about that? Not shitty. Not yeah. shitty. Defense. They have one. I don't know if I'd go that far yet. But I do feel like they, they had one in that game. I feel like Arizona does this a lot, and WSU itself has been uh, has done this before too. Arizona starts the season just looking awful, and then kind of uh, like figures it out. Like Khalil Tate looked most like Khalil Tate in the second half of that game, yeah. like. Or even the first half. I'm sorry. When we had that, he had that 89 yard. T- you're like, oh shit, he's back. And now, like now, you're suddenly like, am I so sad they're not on the schedule now? Yeah, yeah. Because we'll talk about the the reason they're not on the schedule. We have Arizona State on the schedule. That was the ugliest piece of crap I've ever seen in my entire life. Yeah. Welcome to Herm Edwards Ball, yeah. NFL Ball. Mm. That is some ugly football. The NFL is so great. They they did it again. Yay! State just ugly them out, which Michigan State uglies the hell out of games all the well, time. Like if you're if you're an ASU fan and you're like, are you just happy that you won, or are you? I, I mean, I, I imagine you're mostly happy that you won. Winning is the but best. But are you winning always, is the best? No and I mean, well, there. like, and this is I, coming I was from at, I was at the ten seven win over USC. It was amazing. It was the yeah. greatest thing. I mean, this best. is coming from two guys who also were like Dick Bennett and Tony Bennett are the best thing on earth. So, I mean, you know, whatever, I get it. Yeah. But it's like, it's so painful to watch. And, and I'm a Seahawks. I mean, have- you and I are Seahawks fans too. So we see this from the Seahawks as well. It's it's just like, but yeah, man, yeah. like I would so much rather win the way we win than win like that. Like, I just, uh well, the funny thing is, like that whatever, style. Whatever, for the Pac-12, right? Well, well, that that style that he's running is is meant to be like the to establish toughness as as a program and all this stuff. But the thing is, WSU has toughness for days, right. and they run like they pass, and we, and we throw the ball sixty times a game, and we and we we have little dudes on defense, and we just yep, and whatever, like it's, toughness isn't about like no, it's not the ball straight into the middle of the no. Like whatever. So we've we've proven that yep. over and over again in yep. each time here. Yep. But uh, but yeah but yeah it was a great win for the Pac-12. Great great. Yeah. Time. Um, Pac-12 had to come out and say that their refs fucked something up again. Because uh, <laughs> uh, they blew it. It was pretty they obvious. They blew leaping, it bad. Pretty obvious leaping penalty. Really obvious. Well, you know, obviously that that entire game that the end of that game was the longest. It was so long there because both the teams, all their timeouts, they were taking all of them. There was penalties. There was views. It was, it was crazy. And then they kick. Michigan State ties the game. Okay. Nope. Uh, 12 men on the field. Use the review. That review took, like, it wasn't the review itself, but to get to the point of the review, yeah. like, they were talking forever. Yeah. And, and, but I feel like that should be a booth review immediately. No, we saw it. There's 12 guys. But it was like, really that fast. should be easy. Can you count to twelve? Once they, yes, once, penalty. Once they once they once they acknowledged the review, it was pretty quick. But it took them a really long time to acknowledge it. Yeah. But then after that, I, it had honestly had nothing to do with the guy's kick. But still, it's a it's a rule. And the Pac-12 came out and they've apologized about it and they said, yeah, it should have been a leaping penalty. 
But I'm sure the Pac-12 is still like. <laughs> I'm sure that's. There. I'm sure that's we, a we lot of consolation need, to Michigan we State. Need them. Oh yeah, Michigan State. Yeah. So what it would have been, it would have been like a 30-yard field goal to tie right. the game. Would have been a chip yeah. shot. Yeah, and he probably would have made it, and they would have went to overtime, and it would have been. Who you knows know, what happens from there? They probably would have scored. Or no one has scored. Yeah, or they would have somehow. kicked like 13 field goals or something. Yeah. Yeah. It would end up being like just increments of three all the way down yeah. the road. Uh, but yeah, so whatever, good win for the Pac-12. Yeah, always. you know, Washington uh, beat Hawaii, uh, as, 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 you as, as you would expect. If that game was in Hawaii, maybe some weirdness would happen. But you know, whatever. Cal is Cal, Cal. hangs on against North Texas. Cal's just gonna do that against any team they play. Cal's, I guess they're gonna get Everything's exposed. Gonna be they're close. gonna get exposed at some point. It just depends on when it happens. Um, Colorado loses the Air Force, which is kind of a bummer. Unless, yeah, I mean, unless you're an Air Force fan, but it's like not obviously it's not a great thing for the conference. Yeah, Congrats, especially TJ. after they just beat Nebraska, which I, I think everybody knows Nebraska is not that good. But it's like, you know, losing at home to Air Force is kind well, of. I, I, I do I do have to I do have to uh, to a point on that. I saw like uh, Yogi Roth said on uh, on Pac-12 Network like uh, before the game like earlier in the week he was like Colorado's the biggest surprise of the year. And I'm like they've beaten two teams. Yeah. That they beat last year by right. roughly the same margin. Yeah. Why is that a surprise? Like what the, what is your definition of surprise yeah. here? Yeah. Like, and they return their starting quarterback and return their best player. Like, what do you, what is the definition of your surprise here? That Colorado, like, did you think Colorado was going to be an absolute pile of garbage? Like, got worse? I think so. Like, I think that's actually it. I think everybody just sort of assumed Colorado was going to be bad. Changing coach, maybe changing coach. Changing coaches. And I mean, I know they had the same quarterback coming back and they still had Chenault. So it was like, okay, but I, I think, and they you know. Chenault, man. Anytime there's a coaching change, you know, you figure there's going to be some adjustment and, you know, you don't expect football is one of those sports, man, where you it's not very often you see a, a coaching change and the team immediately gets better. That doesn't man, that just does not seem to happen very much. Happens a lot in basketball, um, but it doesn't seem to happen a whole lot in football. But so I think that I think that you and I can probably agree that Colorado did not get better. Uh, Nebraska Probably. was over. Nebraska, yeah, Nebraska was, was over estimated, and uh, Colorado State is still just bad. Yeah. So I think that's uh, yeah, but yeah, S- still you know they're coming coming to Pullman October nineteenth, but yep. for homecoming. Yeah. Uh, who else? Yeah. Do we get leave anyone out? Who get everyone? Yeah, I think that's most of us. Oh, UCLA. UCLA oh, got. UC- one yeah, UCLA gets spanked by Oklahoma, which everybody expected. We'll talk more about that on Friday. Let's go. Okay, so we only got a couple minutes. Like, this yeah, is really, really. should we spend five but, minutes uh, talking about Gardner? Yeah, Gardner. Well, first, let's give uh, Her- Hercules Matafa a tackle for loss uh, today and all that goodness. He's he's solidifying himself as an NFL player. And yeah. That will get significant time. But Gardner Minshew, man. Like, yeah, uh, I watched almost all that so, game. Good, good, man. I didn't watch any of it. We were walking around Vegas. You know, of course... Yeah, of all places, like just walking around the place where there's a million TVs with football on, <laughs> and uh, yeah. barely anything. Not Wait, barely in Vegas? What? Yeah. There's TVs yeah. with sports on. Yeah, but uh, I uh-huh. did. Uh, we were walking. We were walking by a bar. I saw the 
the game, the the, tu- the late touchdown that Gardner threw, and then we just kept. We B had um, B had shot herself. Um, <laughs> we, had, we had to uh, we had to take we had to go find a a bathroom with a changing table, which isn't always the easiest thing in Vegas. No. And uh, so we just kept. I assumed that uh, that was thirteen thirteen going in overtime. Yeah. Uh, but no, it ended up thirteen uh, twelve after so after a run um, after Gardner was pretty much dealing late in the game. Super uh, dealing. Yeah, uh, just another very solid game from him, and and against probably a better defense than he saw the, the week before. Um, but, uh, but of course, they go to the run to try to get a two-point conversion and fail. Um, but, yeah, I know what you were talking about. So uh, what's Gardner facing now? He's, he's, he's clearly got, you know, got the ability to compete at the yeah. NFL level. No, he looked like, like an like NFL he, quarterback. It, it, maybe, the, maybe the coach isn't ready to uh, let him, let him loose yet. They are just, you know, Jacksonville's another team that's like obsessed with establishing the run. Oh, we got to establish the run. We got to run the like like the freaking Seahawks. It's just like by the way, with the caveat that the Seahawks actually didn't do that today, but they did it last yeah, week and they they've done slang. it pretty much every other week for the last year, or so whatever. Um, but yeah, like the, the Jaguars have Leonard Fournette and they're bound and determined to use him apparently. And so, um, you know, they, they just kept force feeding him the ball repeatedly until they needed a touchdown at the end and Gardner leads him down the field, made some nice throws, made some nice, you know, had some nice scrambles that, that we all would expect to uh, like a fourth and 10 scramble. Uh, where you know uh, Houston went into went into a man to man and sort of vacated the area and and he you know stepped up and scrambled for you know ten plus yards, um you know leads him into the end zone with a with a typical Gardner play like steps up in the in the pocket and kind of ends up uh, scrambling just a little bit and finds a guy in the back of the end zone with a little flick of the wrist and you know leads him to that touchdown that would have tied the game with an extra point. Um, they decided to go for two, which was on the road, Gardner at quarterback, absolutely the right decision until they decided to just do like a little inside zone handoff to Fournette. And he came up a, an inch short. And I, and I know that like everything's different. Obviously, this is like some results-based analysis, right, where everything's different if he gets in. But, um, you know, and he didn't, you know, like he didn't even try to reach the ball out, like like it was like I don't know, man. It was it he's was very not, strange. It was very he's strange. Not, he's not the Fournette that we saw at LSU. No, sure. he and he doesn't. You know, I mean, it's it's he's like a lot of those guys that uh, you know run at Alabama. Like they're big and they're physical and they're fast, but it's like when you they know, have holes. For, for yeah, when all of a sudden they don't have you know three yard wide holes to run through, it's like all of a sudden life gets a little more difficult. I mean, Fournette had a couple of nice, uh, you know, he had a nice catch uh, earlier in the game where he you know made a move in the open field and, and, and dusted a guy, and you know that stuff's all great, but you know you give him the ball on the inside, and you know for such a big supposedly physical dude, you know he's not knocking people over, he's not you know giving them the Marshawn Lynch treatment, he's just sort of like you know kind of tiptoes into the line and you know, leans into somebody and, you know, he got literally to the one inch line. Like he was that close and he didn't even really bother to try and reach the ball out because, which, you know, normally you don't want to do around the goal lines. You don't want to fumble. Well, it's a two point point try. 
It's a two point uh, try. Like all you want to do is try and get it over for even a tenth of a second, and you're this, and you've got it right. So anyway, yeah, totally Gardner, ridiculous. You know, Gardner, Gardner he was 20, dealing twenty three of thirty three, two thirteen in touch. Yeah. Also led the team in rushing six yeah. fifty six. And he yeah. was good when he wasn't you know under tremendous amounts of pressure. Their left tackle, <sighs> boy, I have not seen a left tackle that bad since uh, like, I don't know the Seahawks two years ago, <laughs> like before they got Dwayne Brown when, when that thing was a total disaster. So um, he was very, very bad. Gardner was under pressure, pressure the entire game. And uh, just super cool to see him lead that drive for a touchdown. And then super disappointing to watch his, you know, his coach completely undercut him with uh, a ridiculously conservative play call. I mean, I always say that nobody outthinks themselves like the NFL, you know, it's just like, they're like, they, 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 they twist themselves up into a pretzel trying to figure out the clever thing. And it's like, you know, just like do what you do, you know I mean? Minshew just led you all the way down the field. Like, why would you take the ball out of his hands? Like, why wouldn't you run one more play? Why wouldn't you run, you know, just something where, you know, he's got a chance. I mean, you want to move him. You want to give him a run pass option. You want to, you know, I mean, just something, but Anyway, it just was, it was terrible. He played great. And, you know, like I said in a tweet, the only things that can stop Gardner Minshew, the entire list is Porter Gustin, dirty hits, inches of snow and ice and Doug Marone's play calling. So. And, uh, just, we should note that, uh, national televised game on Thursday, Gardner Minshew will be starting against yeah, the Titans. That's going to so be that's pretty freaking cool. And then because, uh, he plays on Thursday, he's going to be in Pullman on Saturday. So gonna be awesome That's pretty cool yeah very exciting. all right man yeah oh i have been sitting in this random spot in the cosmic hotel next to a picture of a showgirl for long enough well it's after midnight in vegas you're just getting started craig it, it's dude it, i'm in i'm in the same time zone as you no for real yeah <laughs> i didn't know that <laughs> <laughs> Shows you how often yeah. I've been to Vegas. The, I have not the been. Twelve people, the twelve people that made it this far. I have literally, I've literally, I've literally not been to Vegas in a decade. So yep. I didn't remember. Same, same time zone. Oh, same time. well, it's almost midnight, Craig. You're just getting started. <laughs> I, that might be true. That's really that what I true. meant. If if some of my if some of my coworkers are still out, it might be true. <laughs> All right, dude. All right, man. Good show. Go Cougs. Go Cougs.